With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let me take it off speaker here because no one likes that. Welcome on in to episode 62. <laughs> right, Jonesy? Um, welcome on in to episode 62 of Sports Talk with Josh Mayer and friends. I got my man, Adam Jones, the sports vulture alongside of 98.5 The Sports Hub and Nathan Moorside. Um, we're going to talk Patriots first, obviously, because that's um, the most, I mean, they're in the training camp right now, and they're they're going to freaking be the, the topic of discussion, obviously, at the top. But how are you doing, Jonesy? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing good. Thanks for coming on with us. Of course. Yeah, well, obviously, we're going we're gonna to start off with the most basic question we can ask you here, uh, Mac or Cam, and we want you to freaking expand on this. I mean, give us your vulture takes here. I mean, I, I don't think it's a, it's a vulture take. I, I want Mac Jones. Uh, I don't want another season of Cam Newton. I don't know who possibly could want another season of Cam Newton. So, you know, I, I don't. I don't know that Bill Belichick drafted Mac Jones. Like I know he's the coach and he's the the head of personnel and the Patriots selected Mac Jones at 15. Maybe that was an ownership pick. You know, that would be a very Dan Snyder move of, of Robert Kraft or a Jerry Jones move of Robert Kraft to do that. But it's certainly not unheard of in the NFL for an owner to, to say, take the quarterback here. Maybe Bill really deferred to his scouts this time and, and deferred to the, the other personnel people and listened for once and, and deferred on his own opinion. Um, but if the Patriots are going to use that sort of draft capital and invest the way they did in Mac Jones, and it's even close in training camp, and it teeter-totters back and forth each and every day, but it seems like it's at least close in training camp, you should go with the guy who has more upside, which is Mac Jones. And I'm not just talking about upside year one, two, three, four, five. I'm talking about upside from August to September to all the way through – December and January, a guy who can actually improve this year, which is the total opposite of what Cam did last year. So don't think, just throw. Go with the guy who maybe has a chance instead of the known commodity and the poor commodity in Cam Newton. So you're not reading too much into these backslips of uh, Mac Jones having a bad day with padded practice? Well, so Mac Jones on Tuesday had a bad day at padded practice. On Wednesday, Mac Jones bounced back, and I think by all accounts had the better practice. So, again, it kind of goes back and forth. Now, look, uh, looking better in pads is a big advantage for Cam Newton. It is. But you should hear the way some of the beat writers or, you know, even other hosts like Beetle and Zoe from our station, or I guess it was, it was Beetle and Hardy, were there on Tuesday. Like, you should hear them talk about it. They talk about it. I mean, Curran had a tweet where it was like 28 to three, like the Malcolm Butler interception, the Vinatieri snowball <laughs> kick and cams practice, like the most improbable things to ever happen. Like people didn't expect it. People were blown away how it happened. So I just think it was an outlier day for cam. I do. And if that trend continues, then sure. They probably have to go with cam Newton. You can't have cam come in, win every padded practice and look veterans like Devin McCourty in the eye and say, we're giving it our best shot. 
But if it's close, and, and I think it's going to be close, I think you have to go with the kid. I think a, a, a tie, like, it, like to go with that hypothetical, if there's a tie, I would go with Mac Jones because there's upside there. And, look, if Mac has already caught him in one month, or, you know, I mean, one month is exaggerating. You're talking but, week you know, one, between, Jonesy. Yes, I'm talking week one. Yeah, I'm not talking week uh, – he's definitely going to start at some point this year. I don't think anybody is deluding themselves from that. He's going to play at some point in year one whether that is after week four, whether that's after the bye week, uh, week 10 or 11, whatever it is. Uh, like, I think we all agree he's going to play at some point. I'm talking week one, day one, first game, Miami. He should be your starting quarterback. Yeah. What, what do you want, Cam? Oh, hell no. Okay, well, then, right. Like, why, I don't get why, why, why is that a crazy thing to say then? Yeah, week one, he should be the guy. Nate, I think you got some comments on this. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just can't. I, I will take anybody over Cam Newton. Um, definitely, you you got to start the kid um, because, like Jones said, he has some upside. It's going to go from week to week, and it and it may fluctuate a little bit. There's going to be days. There's going to be weeks where Mac doesn't look good, but you're just going to have to grow with him. You're going to have to let him build. I can't do another year at camp. Um, yeah, I'm I mean, Jones and think, of, think, think of some Jones. of the games he had. Think of some of the games he had last year, Cam. Like you know, games where he barely broke a hundred yards passing. Mac Jones can't do that. I know. Like, what are, what are we talking about? Matt, Matt Jones, I don't care if he's a rookie. Uh, he's supposed to be, in terms of NFL ready, he was supposed to be the rookie in this draft class outside of Trevor Lawrence, who went first overall. He, he was supposed to be the most NFL ready. Say it again? I said he could throw a left hand at 100 yards, Matt Jones. Uh, right, exactly. I mean, how, what are we talking right. about beating out from Cam Newton? 100 yards. Like, uh, like, that's a low, low, low bar for Mac Jones to clear. I don't care how how advanced the Patriots offense is. I don't care what the stakes are this year. Like that's not, that's a real low bar to, to clear a real low bar to clear. All right. So Nate, I think you had a question next year. Your, your question's up. Yeah. This kind of uh, rolls right into what we're talking about with uh, Mac and cam uh, Jones. Do you think the new additions on the offense are going to help the, the quarterback situation at all? Or do you think it's just too much of a void to fill with Brady leaving? Well, well, so I mean, I don't know how good they're going to be to answer the question and kind of, kind of uh, answer that second part first. Like, I don't know how good they're going to be. I think they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot, um, which means you're probably somewhere around nine or 10 wins. Remember it's a, it's a 17 game season. So nine or 10 wins isn't quite what it was in a 16 game season. I think those guys help. I mean, absolutely. You bring in Henry and Smith and to a lesser degree, the receivers, like I'm not, I'm not all that excited about Nelson Aguilar every day. I read about how he drops another pass at training camp. I think Kendrick Bourne is a good depth receiver, but, but nothing more. So really, we're talking about the tight ends as high-level impact pieces that they added. I think they help. I just I think the whole thing's overrated. I've, not a lot of teams have two tight ends on the field all the time. The Patriots have done it in the past, sure. But usually, even when it was Gronk and Hernandez, it's not 100% of the snaps. You have both those guys out there. It's probably more like 75% at most, 60%. You know, more than half the time they're both out there, but not all the time. I just think the, the weapons that they added, it's, it's a little overrated. I would have loved to have seen one of the two tight ends, take your pick out of Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry, and then thrown a little more money, pooled Aguilar's money, and the leftover money from the other tight end at a bigger name wide receiver, you know, whether that was – Kenny Galladay, who went to New York, whether that was Will Fuller, who went to Miami on a pretty reasonable deal. He suspended week one or, or finishing up a suspension week one. But after that, he's back. 
that would have been my approach over two tight ends and I don't know, a number three receiver at best, like Nelson Aguilar, like that's, that's what I would have done. And, you know, it's a long-winded way of saying, I do think they help. I think it's obviously better skill positions than they were last year. I mean, they were embarrassing last year, especially at the tight end position. They're better. I just, I wouldn't overstate how much better they are. Now, um, my next question for you, Jonesy, was uh, how much does it hurt or help Mac Jones playing against the top five defense, potentially every practice? Um, I mean, I think it would help if he was going against the ones every day. You know, my understanding is he's, he's mixing in more and more against the top players. And remember, even when you're going against the top defense, there's no Gilmore right now. He's on a, uh, the, a, a wildcat holdout, whatever's going on, where he's quote-unquote hurt. Uh, but I, I think he's just reported because he doesn't want to get fined $50,000 a day. I think he's healthy enough to be out there on the field. And if and when the Patriots give him his contract, he'll be out there on the field. But, you know, so you're not going against Gilmore, for starters. And Mac Jones right now is, I think, at best about 50-50 against the top defense, 50, you know, 50% of the time against the top defense. I think on Wednesday it was, it was something like eight out of his 16 reps came against the top defense in competitive seven-on-seven and 11-on-11 drills, especially the 11-on-11. So I don't know that he's getting a full-time look at them. I, I can't imagine that hurts. Um, but again, he's going against two still most of the time or at least half the time. And even when you're going against the ones, it's not Gilmore out there. So if Gilmore's not on that first team defense, are they really a top five defense? I'd have my question. Yeah, you're right there. I mean, I, I thought Gilmore was going to be playing ball. Um, hopefully he's going to be eventually Jones, like for that type of money. And I mean, he's not getting the type of money he wants, obviously, but I think you're going to work things out there. Um, Nate, you got anything to say about that, or should we move on to your yeah. question? No, I, I, I think, look, I think he's going to play, but I think they're going to have to pay him. And I think they're going to cave and they're going to pay him because Gilmore has all the leverage. Um, look, look at how much money they spent this offseason. And I don't care. A lot of beat writers point to, oh, well, he's reported. Well, Xavier Howard reported in Miami, too, and he wants out. So I think that's more contentious and more public and more ugly, although this one is contentious and a little bit public, and it's certainly ugly. I just think Reporting means nothing. Yeah, exactly. Reporting means nothing. That just means that Gilmore doesn't get fined $50,000 a day. He's saving himself literally $50,000 per day by reporting and just showing up and, you know, lifting weights and standing on the backfield and, you know, doing whatever, uh, I don't know, uh, (laughs) workouts that they have him go through and the other injured players go through. So, look, I I think he's holding out, in effect. And I think he's going to get his money. I think Bill's going to cave because they spent money like crazy this off season and they Bill know has to cave. You correct. You can't spend all of Robert Kraft's money and then turn around and say, Oh yeah, but by the way, our best player on defense, he's not actually going to be out there. We're not actually going to use him. Like I think they're going to have to cave. So I'd expect them to be out there, but uh, maybe it's not an extension, like a two or three year extension for Gilmore. He's going to get another, you know, 5 million bucks, 6 million bucks, 7 million bucks this year. And I think, I think the Patriots have to cave. I think Bill has to cave. And he's going to have to do it quick because that, um, like you said, uh, that that defense is not nearly as good without Gilmore out there. Yeah, no, um, I mean, I, 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 agree. Yeah, I think, I think... smoke gets pumped friggin' up J.C. Jackson's ass, but I mean, <laughs> Gilmore is that man-to-man corner. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, Nate, um, you had a question for pack. Jones. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I have the Pats at 10 and 7. Do you think that's good enough to make it in, Jones? Uh, I think 10 and 7 should get in. Uh, I know last year it wouldn't have. Weekend. What did Miami finish? Miami finished 10 and 6 last year, right? Um, uh, so 11, I think, was the cutoff last year to get in for the AFC. I think 10 and 7 should get you in this year. There's the extra playoff spot, like you cited. Last year was. Uh, you know, a, a, a year where the AFC was up and there were, you know, seven, eight teams, whatever it was, over that 10-win threshold. Um, I, I think 10 and 7 should get them in. I think that's a borderline best-case scenario. I'm not ruling out that 10 wins can happen, but that feels like a best-case scenario for the Patriots. I, I, don't, I don't see them winning more than that. And even to win 10 games, I think a good amount would have to break right for them. Kind of a stretch. And yeah. they have to do it with Mac. And they're going to have to uh, yeah, that. Correct. I, that, that, I, would, that would be I'm one of the things that w- I'm, I'm go predicting ahead, that he's, he's the uh, starting quarterback by week six. That's my prediction. Week six. Okay. I mean, I, I would look, I like that better than starting in week five, just because I think if Bill starts cam the first four weeks, and even if they go three and one, if they get smoked by Tampa and then the next week they go to Mac Jones, Bill's going to look like he was scared to play Mac Jones. And I think he may be scared to play Mac Jones. So week six would at least be another week buffer in there. Uh, and I forget who they play week five, but, but maybe they tally another loss in the meantime, which I'd be careful of. No, I'm with you, though. If they're going to win 10 games, that's one of the things that would have to break right for them. They would have to start Mac Jones a majority of the season, if not all of the season. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, Josh? In Houston, so um, I don't think we'll have to worry about that. They can win that game with Brian Hoyer, um, especially if the Deshaun Watson's going. Yeah, going oh, yeah especially if Deshaun Watson's going through all his his, his type of stuff. But um, now we're gonna move on to more like NFL type questions for you, Jonesy. Um, okay. Obviously, for the Super Bowl, I'm asking you: the Chiefs, the Bucks, or the field? The Chiefs, the Bucks. Oh, I'll definitely take Chiefs and Bucks. If I, if I get, I get both of them, or I, or I have to pick one no, or you one have of the to two. Pick. Yep, yep. Oh, I'm sorry. So I misinterpreted. So I take Chiefs. I mean, you know, I think Tampa's going to be really good, but no one's repeated since oh three oh four, as we know with the Patriots. No one else has been back to back to back Super Bowls. Although I guess the Chiefs would have to get to back to back Super Bowls as well, since the Patriots went to what was it three straight sixteen seventeen eighteen. So, you know, I, I would lean Chiefs there. I think they have the most pure talent. I think they have the best player in the NFL. Um, in, in Patrick Mahomes, oh, he has the best career. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not, that, it's not that he's the, the, the better career than Brady, Brady. but right now, I'd take, I'd take Mahomes every day of the week. So, yeah, I, I'd go Chiefs. I think it's close between those two, uh, but I'd go Chiefs. And Nate was, um, I think, uh, what would you say, Nate? Was it with the Bucks you're going with, or were you saying the Chiefs as well? I think you answered this question with, uh, we had Matt Framingham on. I don't know if you know him, but legendary yes. caller. I took the Bucks. I took the Bucks to repeat. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they have a real good chance of, like, picking up those, like, free agent type guys as well. I guess as the season goes along, maybe, I don't know, waiver type guys. I don't freaking know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they did that right. Antonio Brown joined last year. I forget when he signed, he joined the team mid season. Maybe he signed earlier than that, but sure. I mean, that's, that's more like an NBA thing where you see the, the teams really adding 
like veterans at the end of the year, but I, I can see guys doing that in the NFL as well, especially with the trade deadline kind of picking up the last couple of years in terms of movement. So my next NFL question for you, Jonesy, was uh, are the Cowboys going to win the NFC East? Will the Cowboys win the NFC East? I'm going to say yeah. I mean, I I don't think – I mean, again, that division was pretty poor last year. I like Washington. I kind of like everything Washington's doing. I would would rule out – It is, and they have a competent quarterback. You know, it's kind of weird to refer to Fitzpatrick with some of his turnovers as competent these days, but I I would say after what we've seen, that (laughs) qualifies as a a competent quarterback to me compared to what we watched last year with Cam Newton. So I like Washington. Um, They do feel like a team that last year they made the playoffs, they played Tampa tough. Like maybe they're riding the roller coaster, the ups and downs of the NFL a little bit where you're up one year and down the next. Not that they had a massive win total, but they got into the postseason. I could see a touch of regression there. I mean, you know, the Cowboys have the most talent in that division. Uh, Look at the wide receivers that they have. You know, look at the running back that they have. Their quarterback to me is, if not a top five quarterback in the league, just outside the top five in Dak Prescott. Sure, their defense needs some work, but if Prescott's anywhere near healthy, I think they should win that division, yeah. That's a hot they game should, but I'm going to pick Washington to win them. Yeah. They, obviously, the Cowboys should um, win the division. They, they obviously have the better team, but something always goes wrong with Dallas where they choke late in the season. I'm going to take Washington. Who's the other slap that teams in those division in that division? Gi- um, Giants, Giants and Eagles. Giants. I don't trust Danny. I don't trust Danny Dimes. I don't. I like Jalen Hurts actually. But I, I don't know. I want to see with the new coach in Philly, and they were a mess last year. So I, I'd like to see with, with those other teams. I really think it's between Washington and Dallas. I was going to say, I knew it was the Eagles, and I was, I was forgetting that fourth team because it's just like, I don't know, like Saquon Barkley is obviously going to have a freaking amazing season. Like, pick him up in your fantasy football team. But I don't know. I, do you think he's going to play week one? I don't know if Saquon's going to be ready week know. one. Oh, I'd be really? nervous. I'd be nervous with I'd be nervous with him in fantasy. And he, even if he's back week one, I would. I they might manage his snaps. Like I'd be a little. He's a ridiculous talent. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be all the way back after that ACL. I don't know that he's going to be ready to to start the year. And even if he is, I don't know that he's going to get his normal like customary like massive massive uh, you know uh, uh, play play share and snaps that he was getting you know prior to the injury. All righty. Well, that's that's good. That's good news there. I mean, not good news for him, but that's that's good news for the fantasy football team. Don't take him, Nate. Yeah, if you think he's like a value, I'm not saying don't take him, but, uh, but you know, I would be, I would be uh, leery. And I do think if you're in the, like, the top five, I think there are better options, yeah. Street, yeah I, I don't know if you guys can hear it. I don't know if you guys can hear it. I don't know if you guys can hear it. It's a street cleaning day, by the way, in, uh, in Charlestown. So we, I, don't, I don't know if you can hear that in the, uh, in the background. No, we can't hear it at all. At least not okay. me. But um, no, nope, can't okay. hear a thing. Okay, good, good. Well, that well ignore ignore my uh, street sweeper reference then, as the, as it uh, drives by <laughs> the the front of my house. All right, Jonesy, what's Matt Stafford's impact on the Rams? I mean, I want to say negligible. Like, I, I I don't think much. I'm not a big Matt Stafford guy. I mean, I wasn't a big Jared Goff guy either. I would say this. I mean, if he's not good based on what they gave up for him and based on some of the hype from, you know, the, the national media around Matt Stafford, um, there's a lot at stake for the Rams this year. I mean, they didn't really do much else other than, 
you know, swap out quarterbacks. And, and they had Cam Akers. He got hurt. I mean, that's a tough injury for them for sure. But they didn't really do much else. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big Matt Stafford guy. Like, Stafford has all the talent in the world, and I think he's tough. Uh, I will give Matt Stafford that. I think he's tough. He's back at practice after he, he uh, had a thumb injury, I think it was, following through and, and uh, hit a, a teammate's helmet. And maybe people thought he would miss some time. He's already back out there. Go, go Google it if you haven't seen it or, or uh, pull it up on YouTube. His rookie year, the hit, the, the hit he took to play through a separated shoulder and throw a game-winning touchdown as a rookie, first overall pick, Matt Stafford. I think he's plenty tough. So I'll give him that. And I think he has plenty of talent. I also think he's kind of a, a lunkhead when it comes to reading defenses and throwing back-breaking picks at the worst time, um, right down to just never really winning anything. I, I know he's with the Detroit Lions, but you know the guy doesn't win anything. He throws terrible picks. Now he's on a team that's been good. It has talent. There's no excuses for him. Uh, but I think the difference will be negligible. I, I don't know what the Rams finished with for, for wins last year. I guess like nine, were they nine and seven last year? Were they eight and eight somewhere in that vicinity? I, I guess they'd be right back around that all over again. Like, I think they'll be 500 ish kind of like where the Patriots are, you know, maybe nine, 10 wins in the really? best case scenario and, the, and they're in the wild card. Yeah, I do. Huh. I'm not a Stafford guy. I'm not a Stafford guy. Cause I think, um, I don't know. Did they lose anything on defense Jones? Um, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know, I guess this would be my answer to that, but I don't, I don't think so off the top of my head. I think, I think they basically brought back their entire team. They lost one of their tight ends, um, not Higby, the other tight end. Who, well, why am I blanking on him? Uh, he left. Uh, but other than that, you know, and, lo- and they lost Akers on offense. Um, but, no, I, I, don't, I don't think they made many changes outside of that. I mean, I think it's pretty much a one-for-one. One. Stafford's in, Goff's out. And, I, again, I'm just not a Stafford guy, so I don't expect a big jump there. All righty. Um, the next question for you was, uh, has Green Bay treated Aaron Rodgers unfairly? The team? No, not at all. Do you think they have? No, besides drafting a quarterback, but I mean, no, personally, I don't think they drafted the quarterback. Yeah, they drafted the quarterback. And everything else, right? Yeah. Quiet cry about it, Aaron Rodgers. Like, no, they, they drafted a quarterback and then you went AWOL. Like, you went and hosted Jeopardy. You went on, like, a soul-searching vacation with your fiancé and, and other celebrity buddies. Like, and then you came back, you stamped your feet, and you got everything you wanted. Like, you're getting Randall Cobb back. Like, you're getting uh, a year lopped off your contract. Like, no, I think he's been treated plenty fairly. I think he's a giant baby. I can't stand him. He's ridiculously talented. And, like, you know, if the Patriots could trade for him, I, I guess I'd, I'd take him here in New England, sure. But... No, I think he's been treated plenty fairly. They dropped him a first-round quarterback. Like, what are you bitching about? You, he was on the wrong side of Brett Favre because the Packers drafted a first-round quarterback, and he was wrong <laughs> by that. He felt wrong by that. He felt like Brett Favre treated him like shit, and now he's going to turn around and do the same thing to the organization and complain about that 15 years later or whatever it is. Like, I, I just, I, I can't stand that. I think he's been treated plenty fine by Green Bay, more, more than fine. Nate, you got something to say about that? I know you do. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think Green Bay's treated him unfairly at all. Uh, I, I think, like Jones said, he's, he's being really immature about the whole thing. They, they, they drafted a quarterback. What do you want him to do, not draft the next guy? You just want right. him to be left like the Patriots were? 
You know, I think I think he had a little bit of a case where like wasn't wasn't that draft they took a quarterback and then like all defensive players, right? So like I think I think maybe he had a case there. Like, okay, could you get me some offensive help? But no, shut up. You're like, you know, like if I were if I were talking in Green Bay and I were a commentator, like would I say we should be maximizing the window around Aaron Rodgers or drafting Jordan Love? I don't know, but like to hear Aaron Rodgers yeah. complain about it, bitch about it, like that's that's annoying. Like I like it's yeah, not to it, me that's not really his place to air that grievance. It's not. They had Jordy Nelson. They have Devontae Adams. They always seem to get good tight ends. He shouldn't be bitching at all. Um, next nope. NFL question for you, Jonesy. Did the Bears start Justin Fields or Andy Dalton? Well, I mean, I think they're I, from everything I read. I think they're going to start Andy Dalton, but it's the same thing we're talking about here oh, with Cam and Mac. It would, it would, it would be stupid. It would be stupid to start Andy Dalton. They should start Justin Fields too. So, I, I mean, I, from everything I read, I think they're going to start Dalton. But I think that would be a massive mistake if I were running things in Chicago. I would start Justin Fields. Like the the quarterbacks. I mean, how far back do you have to go in Chicago to look at all the trash quarterbacks that have been there? You know, even when they won the Super Bowl, That's Jim McMahon, gross, like awful, awful quarterbacks. You know, and like Cutler was probably one of the best ones they've had in the last thirty years, and he's a bum. So yeah, I would. He's a bum. I, I, right, I, I would. I would start Fields Week One. I, 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 if you're asking me to like place a bet on who I think is going to start Week One, it sounds like Dalton, but I would start Fields. Yeah, I'm Starfield too. And Andy Dalton's so overrated. I, I I've never really understood the hype behind Andy Dalton. He's never won hey, anything he big. Was, he can't win a big game. He's never won any playoff games. Like he 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 was. I think he was what about as bad in Dallas right. last year. He was about well, as bad in Dallas last year with weapons. Yeah, uh, he was as bad in Dallas last year with weapons <laughs> as Cam was here. I mean, Dalton was terrible. Alrighty, so now we're going to move on to the Red Sox segment here. Um, Nate has a question for you. Um, do you think um, the the ownership and Heim Bloom should be held accountable when they, if and when they miss the playoffs this year? And how deflating do you think the rest of that team is right now, not getting a move made? Oh, I think it's clear they're deflated. I think they were deflated even the day before the deadline. They lost thirteen to one, right? And uh, who was that? Was that against Toronto? That was the they night Rizzo signed with the Yankees. Yep. Correct. And and the that team was the did nothing. And like signed, yeah. they they immediately traded for Schwarber right after the game, but the team did nothing. They were flat as can be. They did nothing the next day, which in fairness the team couldn't have known. But I said, oh wow, they're flat going into the deadline. This is a sign that the whole team, the whole clubhouse, wants a move to be made, and the Red Sox will probably turn around and do something. And, and I didn't need. Scherzer, I, I would have wanted Scherzer, but I didn't need Scherzer. I didn't need Barrios. I needed a starting pitcher. I could have used some, some front-line bullpen help, which they didn't get, and I could have used an actual living, breathing first baseman. And I think the clubhouse first agrees baseman. with that. Cause I, yeah, because I don't think Schwarber is. I don't, I, I, he's a nice bat. I, I, I like the move. They gave up nothing, but he's not a first baseman. He's a DH left fielder. That's what he is. So I, I understand them being deflated. And, yeah, to answer your first question – the ownership should be held accountable. High and Bloom should be held accountable for two different things. Like, I think High and Bloom didn't want to part with his prospects. So that's where I hold him accountable. He should have made more moves. He should have, I and think. Now, hold on, stretched- Jones. Hold on, Jones. That leads what? right into my next question. Were you in favor of moving high-named prospects for high-end yes. talent? Yes. Of course. They're prospects. They're prospects. So, like, you want to tell me Tristan Cassis is off limits? Fine. 
you can have like one guy who's off. This is our big prospect, and unless we're getting, or you know, Tanner Fernando Tanner Houck. Well, uh, Tanner Houck, I would move. Of course, I would move for Tanner Houck. He's not. A, he's not any untouchable. Oh, I would move yeah. You wouldn't move would Tanner Houck. Moved Houck. He would have been untouchable. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, look, look. I don't agree with that, but if you wanted to tell me that the guys on the big club, Houck and Duran, you're not going to move them, and you're not going to move Cassis, fine. I would have moved in the right deal. I would move Houck. In the right deal, I would move Duran, but that's me. Everybody else in the minor oh, league farm Durant. system. Everybody We're else not, not about Duran yet. <laughs> okay. So, so, but I'm just saying the other guys in the minors should have moved. You should have been able, or you, you at least should have been willing to move them. And that's where I hold Bloom accountable. Okay. Cause I don't think he wanted to trade his precious prospects, but the real person to blame is John Henry. The real person to blame is ownership because even if Bloom would have traded his prospects, you still got to get the owner to sign off on going into the luxury tax and they won't do that. They didn't do it last year. They didn't do it this offseason. They didn't do it this year at the deadline. They're the Boston Red Sox. They are worth billions and billions of dollars. You know, never mind John Henry being worth billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. John Henry looks at this franchise as a business, always has, always will. It's always bothered me. He's been successful, but he was successful when he spent. If you're not going to spend in the luxury tax and you're the Boston Red Sox, then you don't need to own this team. I don't want you to own this team and I won't root for this team as long as they continue to cheap out. I, I said that this off season. So that's how I feel about the Red Sox. Like if you want to tell me they had to reset last year, I didn't agree with it, but fine. I'll stomach that. I thought you reset last year. Why are you doing it again this year? I thought the whole idea of trading Mookie Betts was to reset for one year, make a hard decision on a guy who may not want to be here long-term, get something instead of losing him for nothing. And then the next year you're back to being the Red Sox. You're back to spending. You're back to being in the luxury tax because that that's where successful baseball teams are. You think the Dodgers give a fuck about the luxury tax? They went out and got Scherzer. They went out and got Trey Turner. Like, I know teams reset, and I know teams get under the tax. Fine. I don't think you should have to. I think that's owners colluding and taking care of one another because they all don't want to lose a bunch of extra money, quote-unquote lose money in the luxury tax. When you're talking about millions of dollars to these billionaires, that's borderline nothing. But fine. The Dodgers even reset. The Yankees have reset. The Astros reset. You know what those teams did after they reset? They spent. They went back into the luxury tax. Look at the Dodgers. So that's what the Red Sox should be. And that's infuriating that they're not. So my, my main criticism would be for John Henry. My secondary criticism would be for Haim Bloom. And yeah, I think the whole team is, is soft for being hurt by not making a move at the deadline. But I also think that was totally predictable. All right, yeah. Nate. You're up with your question next. Um, my next question is kind of an obvious one, but um, is the, the starting pitching is not deep enough, is it? Even with Sale coming back? No, it's not. And even, even with Houck, it's not. I mean, you're going you're gonna to swap out Richards for Sale, right? Like Richards by whether they put him in the bullpen, yes. whether they DFA him, I, I don't care. I'd probably rather release him than put him in the bullpen, but maybe they'll put him in the bullpen. Um, so Sale's in for Garrett Richards. I don't know if Hauk takes the place of somebody else. I don't know if they look at Hauk as a guy who can maybe piggyback off of uh, Chris Sale or Martin Perez, maybe as a guy who could get you two or three innings in the middle innings, um, or maybe even some high leverage innings. But um, I don't think they're deep enough. I don't. And maybe maybe deep is the wrong word. I don't think they're good enough at the top. Like, who's your number two after Chris Sale? It's got to be Evaldi, right? And Evaldi was great in the postseason in 28. Yeah, he's great in the postseason in 2018, but already post-All-Star break, he's coming back down to earth a little bit. Plus, there's always a looming injury with him. Like, 
if he's your number two, I don't think that's good enough. So may, maybe the more I think about it, they have the depth. You know, they have four, five, six guys, and you don't even need you don't even need four guys anymore in the playoffs uh, to go win a World Series. I mean, the Red Sox, you know, proved that a few years ago. Um, you don't even need four guys necessarily, but I don't think they're good enough at the top. I just I don't think they have the top end talent to make it happen after Sale, and that's assuming Sale even comes back and is the same guy. And I think that's probably a dangerous assumption. It's going to take him a while to get back up to Chris Sale form. He's not going to come back immediately and and be pitching seven innings. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's what I think. I mean, he's he's crushing it in AAA. Uh, great. So is Jaron Duran. He's hitting 180 in the majors. Like that's <laughs> right. a different level of baseball. So I, I like let's let's see with Chris Sale. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, do you believe Scherzer for ownership? was realistic like were they trying to pump that or was it a, a complete smoke screen uh well i i just think they were pumping it up to make it seem like they're willing to spend money and so they could bat back uh or push back on criticisms like what i just gave about them being cheap but i think anybody with a brain can see right through it and knows that the red sox were nowhere close to being in on max scherzer they leaked that story out they didn't want to sound cheap they don't like the narrative that they are cheap that fans are, are now questioning whether or not John Henry will spend the money. And so they put that out there. And I think that's 1,000% what that was. Uh, they, they put that out there that they would make a run at Max Scherzer. So fans could point to it and say, oh, look, they would have gone into the luxury tax for the right player. And I think anybody falling for that um, hasn't been paying attention to how the Red Sox have acted for the last two years. All right. Now, now Nate's going to pretty much lead this for a few minutes. Um, He's got a he's got a last Red Sox question for you, and then he's got a Bruins segment for you. He's gonna okay. totally lead the Bruins segment, and then we're gonna talk Celtics after that. So I'm gonna listen in, and uh, Nate, you got this. My final Red Sox question for you, Jones, is um, I I know you just called the I know you called the whole team soft, but um, who's your favorite Red Sox currently? It's gonna be Xander Bogarts, oh. right? Uh, I like, I like JD and I know JD kind of has like the, the, the crappy attitude, like, uh, you know, I'm not allowed to watch my video and this and that from last year. And he's been, he's been a little bit of a, of a diva. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I like watching him hit, you know, I think, I think he's a pure hitter, um, in terms of average and power. I like that signing from day one. I know for some reason that was a polarizing signing at the time. Um, I like that signing from day one. I'll be consistent. I like when ownership goes out and spends money on premium players and, you know, brings them into the heart of their order. Like, I think the Red Sox should do that uh, more. And so I like that signing from day one. I was on board with that signing from day one. I like watching him hit. I'd say he's probably my favorite Red Sox player. All right. That's, that's, a, that's a good answer. Mine's definitely Xander. Uh, JD's top, top three. I like, um, I like Devers, too. Devers is going to laugh. I mean, Devers would, Devers would probably be my runner-up. Mm-hmm. So, De- so I think we're the same on the top three. Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, whatever order you want to put them in. Yeah. Um, that's all I got for the Red Sox. I know Josh wanted me to talk to the Bruins with you for a little bit. So um, I'm, I guess I'll just jump right into that. And um, how, how big of an impact do you, do you think it's going to be that uh, Krejci just – he's gone? And to follow up on that, do you think that Bruins ownership knew before last Friday that he was leaving? Okay, so I, I don't know about ownership. That's a good question. I, I think, you know, maybe, maybe Sweeney did. Um, I think the Bruins 
I think the Bruins could read the tea leaves. I think we, like, if we in the media, and, you know, we're not the smartest, if we in the media know that David Krejci might go to the Czech Republic, and, like, that's out there and it's on our radar, it should have been on Sweeney's radar. You know, it should have been on the Bruins' radar. Like, again, we're not the brightest. We're not, we're not the most apt to pick up on everything. We don't know everything in the media. So if we knew about that alternative, and that was out there, the Bruins should have known about it. So, look, I, I think Krejci is a loss. Um, and this is coming from somebody who wasn't all that keen on bringing him back. I said, let Krejci go. Let him go to the Czech Republic. I don't care. I also said, because I want them to change their DNA, and I don't want the same team out there every effing year because they're going to lose in the second round of Tampa. That's what, they, that's what they do every year. So I was okay moving on from Krejci, right. but I always said you got to replace him. Like, not replacing him to that's me is the, the mistake. Krejci, yeah, Krejci right. being gone, exactly. I, I, honestly, I honestly don't care about that much. But, you know, the alternatives that I suggested, and maybe they're high-end alternatives, and maybe I needed to think more reasonably – but I threw Jack Eichel's name out there, which a lot of Bruins fans have. How do you get him? You trade Pasternak. And I would do that. Assuming he checks your medicals, his medicals check out, and that's a big assumption, but I'm, I'm not a doctor. I need my doctors to look at Jesus it. Assuming, assuming that your doctors do it, I would, trade, I would trade for Hold Eichel. Hold on. Let me hop short, in here. Short, hang on. Hang on. So short of that, if, you're not, if you don't have the stones to trade for Eichel, and he doesn't check out medically, or you just would rather have Pasternak, that's fine. I would rather have the center than the wing, but fine. <laughs> then I would have signed Philip Dano, who went to the Kings. I would have signed him. He's a top six center. He's more defensive-minded. He checked in at like five and a half million, five two five, something like that. I would have paid him instead of paying the goalie, Omar. That's what I would have done. Now your goalie's Swayman. Now you have Dano in your top six. Now Coyle's your third-line center, or Felino's your third, or Howla, or even Stadnika. And that makes more sense to me. So instead of paying the goalie from Buffalo, I would have paid somebody like Dan O in free agency as a Krejci replacement. I don't care that he's gone, but they needed to replace him. You yeah, want to trade David Pasternak? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah that's well, what I Yeah, I mean, for, 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 a guy, for a guy like Eichel, yes. For a guy who's a true top-line center when he's right in the NHL, yeah. Let me ask you, what's David Pasternak ever done away from Bergeron and Marchand? Nate? Oh, I'm sorry. What's that? What's that? Nothing. Nothing. They're afraid afraid to take him away from those two. Let me ask you another question. What do you think David Pasternak would look like if you were by himself in Buffalo like Jack Eichel's been? What kind of numbers do you think Pasternak would put up? Put up 30 goals. Not Eichel numbers. Yeah, I don't don't know what he would do. I'm not saying he wouldn't put up 30. You might be right. I'm just saying I don't know. Like, he's that right wing who plays with Bergeron and Marchand, and he's really talented. He is. But if I can get a franchise center, and this team needs a franchise center, you know, Bergeron is at a point in his career where he's taking a step down. He's not done, but he's taking a step down. He's, you know, I'm point uh, after this, but go ahead. He's, he's, he's good for missing a chunk of time every single year. Oftentimes that comes in the postseason. So to me, you need a franchise center more than you need a wing who rides the, the coattails of Bergeron and Marchand. Like I, I would rather have that center, but, the big caveat here, and no one knows the answer to this, and it's, you know, it's a huge qualifier, but you would need your doctors to medically clear him. If you can't do that, then I'm not trading Pasternak for Eichel. But if Eichel's right, your doctors say he's right, he's the kind of guy they should be trading for. How much did Patrice Bergeron, a more like, I think, defensive-minded center, 
help out Pasternak, and then how how much did Brad Marchand, a more offensive-minded, I mean, um, left wing or right wing? Yeah, he's left wing, right? Um, yep, left wing. How much? How much? How much did that? How much did that that help Pasternak? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think it. I think it helps Pasternak. I mean, I, look, I don't know. I I, I don't know how he'd be uh, elsewhere, but I, I'd like to see it. Like, I know what Jack Eichel is with no help in Buffalo. It's pretty good when he's healthy. I know what he is without any help. I have no idea what Pasternak would be without any help. And I know that Bergeron and Marchand can make a lot of guys look good on that right wing. I know that. All right. Sorry, I cut you off, Nate. I think you have more questions for him. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. Um, obviously, you don't think the Bruins have done enough um, addressing the no. lack of size on defense. They got steamrolled um, by the Islanders. Well, so, so so maybe maybe to a degree size. Although let's think about this: uh, you lose Lozon, you lose Miller. Those are two of your bigger guys. You bring in Forbort. Uh, you know, I think they needed more in their top four. A lot of fans want size. I wasn't as adamant about that. They did get steamrolled against the Islanders, but I think some of that was health, not just pure size. Um, you know, I, I just I just want a, another talented top four guy who can play there night in and night out. And unless the Bruins have something up their sleeve, I know, uh, you know, our buddy DJ Bean wrote about the idea that maybe they could throw Grizzlick and DeBrusque and maybe a pick as part of a package for a defenseman in their top four. You know, that to me would be the kind of move they need to make. Say it again. Oh, I said, please do what you say, do Josh? that. But uh, oh. I said, please do, do yeah, that. They, yeah, uh, definitely. They definitely need a top four de- uh, defenseman. Yeah, they, and, they, and you they, know, I, they, they're, they're, they're I think Grizzly might have some value. Address the issues. We're just gonna ha- we're just gonna do the same thing next postseason. We're gonna go up against a team that's more physical, right? And they're gonna dominate us again. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going against Tampa in the second round, and by the way, last year was your chance. Tampa wasn't in your division last year. Now they're back in your division. Yep. As was the team that Tampa beat in the Cup final in Montreal as was another 100-point team in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, they're all back in your division now. Like, I, I'm not even convinced you're playing. Yeah, they're going, they're going back, I think. I think they're, they're going back to the divisions, uh, yeah. you know, barring another, another massive shutdown worldwide with COVID. So, <laughs> Canada's I, I, not being a putt. They're going to let us in no, or well, what? Well, again, let's see. I mean, let's see where things are going in the fall. But as of right now, I think that's the plan. So, you know, you're, if you get Tampa <laughs> in the second round or you get Tampa in the first round, you're losing in five games again. I, I mean, I think it's the same exact thing. I think Tampa's gotten a little worse. Uh, they've, lost some te- they've lost some players from, uh, you know, back-to-back cup winners. They lost Yanni Gord in the expansion draft. Like, you know, they had to lose some talent, but I still think they're head and shoulders better than the Bruins. We've got considerably worse, though. We've taken steps back instead of forward. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, I think, you know, go- goalie, let's see. You know, let's see how it looks there between Swayman and Allmark. I think you might be okay there. I think, you know, I, I think you could do fine there compared to Tuca. Your defense is call it a wash, but right, without Krejci, you're worse. So that's, that's probably fair to say. The Bruins are worse, yeah. Um, so, so who do you want in, in that opening night against Dallas? Allmark or Swayman? Swayman. Swayman. I mean, I, I, I wanted yeah. Swayman to be the goalie. I wanted maybe a, maybe a better. I was personally, I was okay with Swayman and Vladar. I know that might be too much. Of, you, you'll probably notice the theme. I'm fine with playing young players. I don't know if you've noticed this in any of our discussions, whether it's the Patriots quarterback, the Bears quarterback, uh, whether it's with like San Francisco quarterbacks, whether it's with the, the Bruins goalies. <laughs> like I have no qualms about playing young players. I don't. 
So I would have been fine with Swayman and Vladar, but I understand that that might be too risky for some people. You know, I understand that that might be too bold. So fine. So you needed a veteran to pair with your young goaltenders. Okay. I would have signed, you know, Mrazek, Reimer, Holtby, somebody like that on a one-year deal. And I know Holtby's not the same guy, but I would have signed one, somebody like that on a one-year deal or a two-year deal at most to compete with Swayman and, and just be a veteran backstop in case Swayman doesn't hit the ground running. But I want Swayman to be the, the guy on night one. He probably won't be. It'll probably be all marked based on the contract they gave him. But I, I would like it to be Swayman because I thought Swayman looked awesome last year when he played. I wanted him to start game five against the Islanders when it came out too, but it wasn't right. I was, I was fully on board with Dr. Wayman. I was on board with five. I was certainly on board with six. And, uh, yeah, the Bruins, for whatever reason, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid to go with, with a young kid in net. I don't know why that is, but they are. Um, I guess that leads up to my next and final Bruins question. Do you have any complaints about uh, the way Cassidy is coaching the team? Or do you think he's the coach that's, that's needed for this team? Well, I mean – I don't know that I need to fire him necessarily, but I have problems with going back to Tuca over and over again. And I don't think we're out of the woods on that yet, by the way. You know, if you listen to Don Sweeney, his press conference at the beginning of free agency, he, he couldn't stop saying Tuca's name over and over again. So Tuca might be back uh, whenever he's healthy from the surgery midseason or whatever. And if he's back, they'll probably play him again in a big spot, even though you know what's going to happen with Tuca in a big spot. So I have a problem with that. And, you know, this goes back to my Pasternak thing. I've had a big issue with uh, Cassidy for years. Why won't you just try Pasternak with Krejci? I know Krejci's not here anymore. Why won't you try Pasternak on that second line? Like, if Pasternak's so good, and this goes back to what we were talking about with Eichel, if Pasternak's so good, why does he need to play with Bergeron and Marship? Why can't you be a deeper more talented team and take a bit of a hit on the Bergeron Marchand line, but they'd be fine with someone else on their oh, right wing. Craig Smith, always been instance. a friggin' problem with me. They, right. they got to drop down. They got to, they got to move that would, down that erection line and friggin'. Yeah. And I know, I know they won't. And I just, I know sweet uh, Cassidy won't do it, but just that frustrates me that he won't do it. So those, those are my, my gripes with, with Cassidy, at least off the top of my head with him as a coach. I don't know if that's really him or if that's is Sweeney and, and Cam, though. That, that may not fair, be all that, him. That's a fair point. That might be organizational, but um, I, and, and Tuca might be more organizational. I have to think the lines are, are more on him, um, but fair. I mean, you're, him, if, you're telling yeah. me, if you're telling me it comes from above Cassidy, then, then fine. I, I think you're probably right about the goalie. I think that's probably more organizational. But I, I think Pasternak with, with Bergeron and Marchand, that's, that's Cassidy, and I would, I would break that up or at least look at it. Because you always know if it doesn't work, you can go back to Bergeron and Marchand. You, like, you, know, you know that that's right. going to work. You have that in your back pocket. It's not like that won't work. So try something else. And if that doesn't work, go back to it. But at least try something. Right. All right. We'll, I, we'll, we'll I with Adam with Jones. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Nate. Go ahead. Sorry, cut nope. you off. Go ahead. I, I, I was just wrapping it up so you can take over. Just to reset things, we'll with Adam Jones from 98.5 The Sports Hub and Nathan Morside, we are talking Celtics and NBA next. Um, and then the six random questions for Jones, which everybody likes. That's Tim McCone's favorite segment. Um, nice. Nate, you, you got a friggin' Celtics question for him. Go ahead. I do have a Celtics question for him. Uh, Jones, do you think Tatum's ever going to turn into the leader the Celtics need him to be on and off uh, the court? My fear is no. 
I mean, and I, and I, I would wager on no. I mean, it's, just, it's so hard to have one of those players who has everything. You know, and, and Tatum's supremely talented. Supremely talented. And I'd love to be wrong about this. But it does seem like, and, and maybe this is just a young player thing, it does seem like he is more worried about establishing himself in the NBA hierarchy. Like, he seems much more pissed about not making All-NBA last year. And... Yeah, well, that, not even that. Like, I mean, I think that's part of it, sure. But he seems much more pissed about not making All-NBA last year than, like, the team sucking. He, you know? Like, he just seems much more yeah, upset yeah, about yeah. that. So that would be my gripe with Tatum. I think that's, that's a pretty universal thing with young players, by the way. So I don't think it's unique to Tatum, and I don't mean to single him out. But my fear is he won't ever be that guy. And, you know, my, my, if you want a prediction, it will be no, he's not. Now, if you would ask me this about Giannis like a year ago, my answer probably would have been no. Like, I've, I've probably doubted a lot of these young players. A, a lot of times you need to see it before they actually do it. Um, so maybe I'm falling into the same trap with Tatum that I have with other young players before who have broken through. But yeah, my, my fear is no. And, and if you're asking me to make a prediction today, my, my prediction would be no. He's not the guy who's going to lead the Celtics to a championship. All righty, Jonesy. How happy are you that Al Horford is back? I hate it. I mean, I, I, I hate it. I, I understand. I understand why the Celtics made the move. I do. Like they, they needed to free up cap space down the line. Kemba's deal. Kem, Kemba's deal, as you see, um, it was he was just bought out in Oklahoma City uh, after they flipped him for an additional first round pick, or they flipped the first round pick they got from the Celtics, sixteen for two future picks. So. I understand why they did it, but just on the court, they're worse. I mean, Kemba's a better player, even in a diminished state, than Al Horford right now. So I, I don't. I just don't like that Horford's back. I think reportedly Ennis Cantor is going to be back too. Like I, I don't know. I just don't like bringing back <laughs> popular popular players to placate the fan base and like they they treat the fan base like idiots. Like ooh, we'll just bring back uh, Al Horford and we'll just bring back Ennis Cantor, players that people liked and maybe they'll like our team and they'll forget that we're seventh in the East again. Like. I don't, I don't like that move. I just, I think there were other guys you could have moved Kemba for, even if you couldn't have got um, maybe the same flexibility payroll-wise. Like, I would have rather have had Porzingis. I, I, I probably would have rather have had Kevin Love. So, you know, there were other moves that I think you could have made as opposed to Horford and just trying to, again, you know, trick the Celtics fans into just bringing back a player they used to like. I, I've never been a Horford fan. It's really more about the narrative around Horford than anything else. Um, and I think he's clearly bought, brought back for his contract, not for his abilities. Yeah, I don't think poor Zingas was in play with uh, Mark Cuban. I think he wanted to really hold on to him. I mean, we'll see. I, I think poor Zingas was available. I think there weren't a lot of teams biting. You know, his contract, I'd have to look at the term left on his contract. I think there's more term on it than Horford. And I think the, the beauty of Horford's contract is that he's next injury year the money prone is fully... as fuck anyway. So he is, he is, but he's also a lot younger than Horford. And when he's right, better than Horford. So I would, oh, I would have rolled the dice there, but with, with Horford, the thing is the second year of his contract is not guaranteed. It's not fully guaranteed, but 14 million of it is well, guaranteed. Thank God. <laughs> so, so if you want, if you want that cap space that Celtics fans covet and you know, the Celtics are now leaking out has been their plan all along payroll flexibility you still have to move that Horford deal at some point. You still have to find somebody to take him on in the last year of his deal. I think he should be if, good if you trade want the full fodder for us by the trade deadline. Yeah. He should be good, nice trade fodder. Um, I know Nate has a question for you next. Um, go ahead, go ahead. 
why would you fire the coach and then put him in the front office? That makes no sense nope. to me. Makes no sense. Great question. No idea. I mean, I, I, I think the answer, uh, and I don't agree with it, but I think the answer is that Brad Stevens has another four or five years on his deal, six years on his deal, whatever it is. And so they're kicking him upstairs. But I think any, anybody around the league, um, you know, I've heard Chris Mannix say this. I'm sorry, not Chris Mannix, uh, Jeff Goodman, I heard say this. Um, if you ask me in a year or two, is Brad Stevens coaching somewhere else or is he still the GM of the Celtics or president of the Celtics, whatever the title is, uh, I would believe he'll be coaching somewhere else. I think he wants to coach. I don't know if he wants to coach these Celtics players. I think the Celtics players are, are certainly done with him. Um, but I, I think he'll be coaching again elsewhere. I don't think being a front office executive is, uh, is what he wants to do long-term and what he will do long-term. So to answer your question, I, 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 have, I have no work. idea how the Celtics came up with that. I, I don't think it's going to work because now you have this whole thing with Smart coming out that, that Stevens is trying to trade him and, you know, that didn't land. So Smart's coming back now. And, I mean, how, how's that going to affect the locker room? It's just going to be a mess. Yeah, I mean, look, if Brad Stevens, if Brad Stevens turns around and trades Marcus Smart, I'll, I'll vote for him for executive of the year. You know, like, like, if, like if he turns around and makes that move, I will be so on board with, with uh, Brad, Brad Stevens for, for, uh, as GM, as president. Like, I'd be so on board with it. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. It sounds like, if anything, they'll probably extend him, which is insane to me. Um, but that seems like the latest, uh, the latest way the, the tea leaves uh, are, are pointing us, yeah. All right, I guess one more NBA question for you, and then we're going to get into the six random questions, which everybody loves. Um, the last NBA question for you, Jonesy, is um, what do you think about that Russell Westbrook trade to the Lakers? I like it. I know a lot of hardcore NBA people think it's a, a bad move. Westbrook is a ball-dominant player. He can't shoot. He's a bad fit with LeBron. I, I get annoyed with the new-age NBA media because I think they, they don't give enough credit to talent, you know? Like, I just think they're like, oh, there's a 3 and D player, and this guy can shoot, and he's a better fit. They worry too much about fit. And I'm not saying fit is not important, um, but in basketball, I would wager on talent. I would wager on talent 10 times out of 10, 100 times out of 100, I would wager on talent. And Westbrook's pretty good. Westbrook's still pretty good. He put that Wizards team on his back last year and got him to the playoffs. Not Beal, Westbrook. So, I think they'll figure well, it out. He's more than just down. He's grit and grind too. Sorry to cut you yeah. off. Yeah, go ahead. No, but but like like LeBron. Think of some of the point guards LeBron has won with, and I'm going to take some liberties with this. But think of some of the point guards he won with in Miami: Mario Chalmers. In Cleveland, Matthew Dellavedova. I'm going to choose to say Dellavedova over Kyrie Irving. If you won't accept that one, fine. But Dellavedova was a guy who was out there all the time that he played with. And in LA, <laughs> late career, late career Rajon Rondo. Like, if you can win with those guys, you can win with Russell Westbrook. And I think the Lakers have done a pretty good job of filling out the talent around those guys, right? Like, bringing in shooters like Wayne Ellington, who I think is, you know, exactly what Contavious Caldwell Pope is. I think he's the same kind of player. He's just a shooter. But they need some shooting. They admittedly need some shooting around Westbrook and around Davis and around uh, LeBron. Um, you know, I thought the Malik Monk signing was a smart signing, a buy low on him. Maybe Horton Tucker has more there. They can always add more at the trade deadline or on the buyout market like you were talking about before with Tampa Bay and football. I think the Lakers and the Nets, like, they're going to be the two teams that everybody, maybe Miami, that everybody looks at, every veteran looks at when they get bought out and they go, oh, that's where I want to go. So even if the Lakers don't have the shooting on day one, they're going to have it by the end of the year. Like, I, I like what the Lakers have done. And I think – you know, they would be my pick to come out of the West by far. 
Uh, they wouldn't be my pick to win it all in the NBA. That remains the Nets, but the Lakers would be my pick to come out of the West for sure. Really? You're you're t- you're um you're saying you're saying Nets Lakers NBA Finals? Yes, I would say Nets over Lakers NBA Finals. Yes. Really? That's a hot take to me. Um, okay. Uh, Nate, you I mean, I imagine. Th- on that? I, 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 well, I'd imagine those have to be like the two favorites. No, I mean, if the Lakers aren't second, they are. They got to be up there. So. Lakers Bucks is the odd. That's Bucks. your pick. Yeah, got it. That's my pick. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I would imagine Vegas would probably. I don't think it's a hot take if you go if you shop around the odds in Vegas. I think those are that's pretty much me going <laughs> with chalk uh, or pretty close to it. But yeah, I uh, th- those would be my picks. I'm, in the NBA, I think it's smart to usually go with chalk. Last year aside, last year was kind of topsy turvy and a weird year. I didn't see the Bucks winning it. I certainly didn't see the Hawks in the final four, uh, I didn't see the Suns getting there. I thought the Suns were going to lose in the first round of the Lakers last year, so what do I know? Uh, but most years, chalk, chalk is uh, not a bad way to go in the NBA. All right, so let's get to the fun here. Let's get to the six random questions for Adam Jones of 98.5 The Sports Hub. Number one, your favorite thing about being a dad? Uh, ooh, good question. My favorite thing about being a dad? I like um. I mean, I like my, my, my work schedule allows me to, to really be with my kid a lot. Um, you know, be, be hands-on, take him out. Like, uh, one thing I like to do with my kid now is, you know, I don't really even have to do much. He's three years old. I can take him on the bus. I can take him on the train. I don't need to, I don't need to entertain him. He could just sit there and be, he loves, he loves being on uh, uh, public transportation. He likes being in cars. He likes being on uh, like a ferry boat things like that. We're going with my in-laws on a duck boat uh, this weekend when they come up from Charlotte. So I don't know. I mean, I like that uh, we, we can see from, you know, where he was at, you know, holding your hand for the first time in the hospital to, to where he's at now, uh, you know, being uh, like, uh, like a, a, a kid, like, you know, he's, he's, he's walking, he's talking, like, I don't really have to do all that much to entertain him anymore. Like he's, he's, uh, he's grown a lot in three years, which is, which is cool to see. No doubt, no doubt. That's that's what's up, man. Um, question number two: favorite thing to do with a rotisserie chicken? Do you straight vulture status? Do you just you just straight <laughs> rip it from the carcass or what? Here, uh, it's an interesting question. We are big proponents, and I know we're not alone. Uh, you can Google it if you want, but the uh, the Costco five dollar rotisserie chicken are like they're like their own thing. Like people people love them uh, across the country. So we are big proponents of the uh, rotisserie chicken from Costco. Great deal, delicious. Uh, you know, no, no plug or anything, but just, if you haven't checked it out, it's, it's worthwhile. I, I like a good rotisserie chicken though, is my, uh, my roundabout way to answer what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess I, I like the, the drumsticks off the rotisserie chicken. I'll, I'll slice off, uh, you know, some of the breasts as well, but I, I like the drumsticks, maybe the wings as well. I like to, I like to nibble on those. I've, I've been known to gross out Arcan, like just, just, you know, eating right off the bone <laughs> at work. I, I've been known to do that. So, uh, I guess that, that qualifies as vulture status. All righty, question number three. What do you appreciate more, a woman, a hot woman with short hair or when the McDonald's ice cream machine is working? Wait, say it again. A woman working the McDonald's ice cream machine or a, a hot woman with no, short hold hair? hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let me reset it. Question number three. What do you appreciate more, a hot, a hot woman with short hair or when yep. the, the, the McDonald's ice cream machine is working? Oh, ice cream. Uh, ice cream for sure. Well, I, what, what, what am I doing with hot women? They're not interested in me. Uh, so I, I'll, ta- I'll take the ice cream machine. 
every single day of the week, regardless of where it is. I'll, I'll enjoy myself a uh, a nice ice cream, maybe a nice uh, chocolate vanilla twist, maybe throw on something like uh, like a peanut butter cup or an M M&M and M or something like that. That's uh, especially on a hot day and a hot summer like it's been lately. I'll, I'll, I'll take that for sure. Oh come on, Jones! You're a catch. Don't don't uh, don't tell yourself short <laughs> there. But uh, I'll, I'll still either way, catch or not, I'll go ice cream. All right, all right. Uh, question number four: the desert or the frozen tundra? Ooh, um, I mm, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'll go. I think I'll go cold over. Come hot. on! I think I would rather. I think I would rather be cold than hot. And by the way, you should know this. The desert is freezing at night. So, like, as cold as the tundra is, at least I'm kind of, like, just cold all the time. Like, if you're in the desert, it's hot as balls during the day. You're sweating. Like, you know, you can give yourself hypothermia <laughs> because you're sweating. And then, and then the temperature drops, like, you know, however many degrees overnight. Like, it's freezing in the desert at night. There's no shelter. There's no nothing. Give me, give me the cold. I can always, in, like, a survival situation, maybe not. But, like, I can always throw on more layers. You can't take off layers. And even if you do in the desert and you somehow survive the heat, you just got to deal with the freezing cold at night. I'm going, I'm going frozen tundra. Nate, what's your take to that? Desert. Give me the desert. There's probably no more way to eat can I be cold all the time. There's no probably way. more to eat in the desert. the desert. Like you can eat, you can catch, you know, I, I like to watch a lot of survival shows. You know, people like to say man versus wild is fake or whatever, but I, I love man versus wild when it was on. I love dual survival yeah. when it was on like shows like that, you know, less, less, uh, of a fan of naked and afraid, but I watch it. But like, you know, in the desert, there's insects, there's snakes, there's like lizards and, and, and stuff that you could probably kill and eat. There's probably not as much, if you can catch it, there's probably not as much to eat in the frozen tundra. I would imagine that'd be, uh, that'd be more berries, uh, things of that nature, probably living off a lot of water. Uh, but at least, at least in the frozen tundra, you could probably melt something and, and actually get some water. I don't know where you're getting water in the desert. So that's, that's a tough place to survive. Well, you got to bring a 24-pack of Poland Spring, and, I mean, I'm not saying you won't be prepared for it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. you never seen, Jones, you never seen freaking those guys set up those epic, like, blankets and shit in the desert, and, like, they just totally chill, and, you know, they're doing their thing. They're, they're smoking and drinking, you know? No. No, I've never seen it. Like, I mean, if it's just like for an afternoon, I'd probably rather go to the desert than go be cold. But like, if I got to be there for a while, uh, cold every time. <laughs> well, we're, we're just saying for a day, but uh, we'll move on to question number five. I like your take to that. I like Nathan's take to that. Um, I'm going to ask you both the same question. Jones can start first and then Nathan. Um, your favorite guilty pleasure TV show. Oh, favorite guilty pleasure TV show? See, this is a great question. So I love trashy reality TV, like love, uh, crappy reality. So like, I'm going to give you my eventual answer, but I'm, I'm getting to it. Uh, I love the challenge on MTV. I love Jersey shore on MTV. Like I watch and I don't just watch it. Cause my wife makes me watch it. Like I like 90 day fiance. Like I'll watch all these things. If you give me like two episodes of a reality, t- really any reality TV show, I'll get into it. It does not take me much. It doesn't take me long to get hooked, but I would say those are some of my favorites. My number one Guilty pleasure, though. And this is new. I picked this up in the pandemic. I had never, uh, maybe I started watching the newest season just before the pandemic. And then we started going back, my wife and I, and watching old seasons of Big Brother. Love Big Brother. Uh, oh, Big Brother season, yeah. whatever whatever season, I don't even know what season it is right now, is going on. The show's awesome. It's professional lying. 
and it's the best. It's just people lying right to each <laughs> other, right to each other's face, stabbing each other in the back. Like I, I love Big Brother, and that is not a good show. Like I wouldn't say it's like a highbrow television show, but it is great mindless TV. And so I love trashy reality. And oh, if you're gonna yeah. give me like a specific guilty pleasure, I love Big Brother. Nate, I'd have to probably say Survivor. Ooh, so, so, Survivor. so you want to know what? You want, so you want to hear something crazy after my uh, whole reality no, TV? No, rant? no, I don't. I don't even feel that. I don't even feel like that's guilty pleasure. I feel like that's I, scheduled viewing. Well, no, hey, I was just going to say, I, out, of, out of my whole rant about reality TV, you know what I've never seen one episode of? Like a full episode, like sat down and watched, I've probably seen in passing, but never actually watched, is Survivor. I've never watched it. I feel like I would love it. Oh, I love that show. You would love it. Oh, a bunch of backstabbing. They're on an island for 40 days. You end up right, like, I like, oh, I like reality, and I, and I like survival. So I don't know how I've never seen that show, but I've never seen that show. I just feel like by the time... I probably realized Jesus, I would like it. Fourth it was, vulture, I, come on now. No, well, but I'm saying, I feel like by the time I realized I would like it, I, I was like, oh, I've missed so many seasons. Like, I, it's too late to get into it. But maybe I should get into it. Like, I got into old seasons of Big Brother. I got the CBS app or whatever they call it now, Paramount. Like, I can go back and watch that. I think they play them on, go there, on yeah. Pluto. Go on Pluto. Right, Pluto TV is great too. I, see, I like Pluto, but you can't control what you're watching, right? Like, all of a sudden, you just like get a random episode. Like, I'll go watch old seasons of The Challenge on Pluto, but it's just like. I can't pick what I'm watching, right? They just you're just all of a sudden dropped into the middle of a random season, right? No, man. Um, well, I guess you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I, got, right. I got the I got the I got the Paramount Plus. I can I can watch I can watch me some Survivor. Maybe I'll start doing that. That's not a bad idea. Highly recommend. All right, it. we'll get we'll get you out of here on this question number six, Jonesy. You enjoy murder mysteries and uh, sub. Sub question is, do you think A.B. Robach is an attractive woman? So I am not a murder mystery person, and I'm not trying to play dumb. Who is Amy? Who is Amy Robach? Rohrbach? Robach? What did you say? Who is that? What is she? Is? Yeah, like, Robach. Yeah. What is she, she from? She, I thought you might. I thought you might be a murder mystery type guy. Um, she does GMA three. Uh, okay. She might be on right now, actually, on Channel Five. Um, Attractive looking woman. You have to look her up. Amy Robach. Wait, so she. Um, wait, so she's on. She's on Good Morning America. Occasionally, yep. Oh, okay. And then, but she's also in murder mysteries, or were those two separate questions? I'm confused. No, she does. She does murder mysteries as well. She's a. She's a crime reporter. I see. She is a crime oh. reporter. Got it. Okay, got it. I didn't make that connection. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not big in the. I'm not big in the murder mystery uh, realm. That's not something that I, you know, I usually, I like, I like brainless TV. If you can't tell, I like brain. So I like comedy. I like reality. Like I, I like stuff that doesn't make me think all that much. Like the, like the episodic stuff. I know people love like their breaking bad, their game of Thrones. Like people love those shows. That's not, that's not really what I like. I mean, I'm sure I could get into those, those type of shows, but that's not, that's not really what I like. I like more brainless stuff. Jonesy, get, get Nate into uh trailer park boys. Get him. Oh, trailer, him so trailer, park Bo- trailer park boys is great though. I argue about this with Arkan. Arkan is a much bigger trailer park boys fan than I am. I like it. Um, but he's a much bigger, like more hardcore fan. I I only like the showcase seasons. I couldn't get into the Netflix seasons. I know that's like a snobby thing to say, but I, I like the Not older really. seasons on showcase. I, I once they got once they started definitely, doing Netflix seasons, definitely. I didn't really like it very much. Yeah, but great definitely. great show, like hilarious show. 
I'll have to check it out. I've All never right. watched it. A great stoner and drinking shit. Yes, correct. <laughs> Check it out then. <laughs> but um, all right, we'll get you out of here on that, Jonesy. Uh, it was great to have you on. Uh, same thing with Nathan. Um, hey man, we'll get nice you on. To you, like, hey, great talk. Great talking to you guys again. We'll uh, we'll do this somewhere down the line. It was fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely. It was a great time and um we'll talk soon and um you guys have a great day and we'll and um you know hopefully everyone loved it and uh you know, tune in, baby. We're gonna be popping on soon again. Uh probably before maybe before the beginning of the season, Jones. We'll see what happens, but I know you're a busy man. All right, well yeah, sounds good. Like I said, we'll uh, we'll definitely talk down the line for sure. All right, boss. All right, see you boys. Alrighty. Have a good day, John. Yeah, you too. Good stuff. All right, we'll hop off here. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.